Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete and I'll go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as Jeb at the ET. Welcome to the show, Jeb. How are you going? Good, Pete. How are you? All good. So let's get into this podcast. Our bench depth was already tested last week in round two. So early in the season, how did you go? Yeah, look, that's one of my issues right now. I, um, I'm pretty thin on the bench, but um, expecting a few back. Uh, Sam DeConning as an example. Also Nick Martin. So it should look a lot brighter in terms of green this round. Yeah, I'm back up to 28 players this round, but yeah, it was a it was a bit dicey. Even one more out there on that Friday or Saturday that uh, it was potentially going to cause trouble, but back up this week at least. And majority of people, I would believe, would be in the same boat that round three at this stage presents a better option than what we had last week. But you know, we're only talking Tuesday night, so let's see how this week plays out. Alrighty, the leaderboard in overall rank is very tightly bunched to begin the year, obviously. High ceiling players are the differential right now. Your thoughts? Yeah, you're 100% right, Pete. Those high ceiling players are the difference in in these tight few rounds. Um, Brayshaw being a good example, Butters another one. So Jaden Short will throw in there as well. Uh, all, all those extra 20 points instead of 100 makes the difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. Okay, we are talking AFL fantasy season long classic mode. This discussion is pre round three. This podcast has been recorded on Tuesday night, March 29. And, of course, the news is being crushed out for you on the AFL Ratings Network. The content is free. Likes and retweets are always appreciated. Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand, and that will be pretty much throughout this season, of course. Alrighty, let's get into some ownership, Jet. So top 25, we're going to discuss 20% or higher owned in that top 25. So this is round two and where it lies. So the Rucks, Brody Grundy, 72%. Jack Hayes, 56%. Couple in the forward line there as well. Max Gorn, only 24%. And Jared Witts at 20%. Your thoughts on any one of those? Yeah, so a lot there with the um, potentially Hayes as the R2 setup. So that's quite interesting. It's probably been the play in these first two rounds. Okay, the defenders. So George Hewitt, high, 92%. James Sicily, high, 88%. Lockie Whitfield, high. Scores haven't been there yet. And you know what the thing with Whitfield was is that Damien Harwick spoke on AFL 360 last night and they actually targeted Whitfield. So you really got to be careful on teams targeting him throughout the year. And that's just, you know, his quality play and his runoff halfback is so crucial for the Giants. So you just really got to factor in some of his low scores, pretty much not because of his... Our point is he's being targeted and they're trying to get the ball into other players' hands. You know, that might be something throughout the year, but I think we'll still see those ceiling games uh, at some stage, which will balance out his average a lot higher. And then we go to Jaden Short, strong score last week, 80% his own. Paddy McCartan, strong start to the year in defence for the Swans, 72%. Jack Crisp, good bounce back last week, 56%. Luke Foley, bit of a difference here in the, in, in the top 25, 24%. And Jordan Dawson now starting to pop in there at 20%. Thoughts on any one of those, Jeff? All interesting, aren't they? Um, yeah, Foley, no surprise, I suppose, with what his output is and his price, but a lot starting McCartan at um, D6, which I'd be nervous about. Okay, onto the mid. So 
Nick Dacos, no surprise, 100%. Lockie Neal, great score on the weekend, 96%. Matt Rao, 92% highly owned. Uh, it was a bit low last week. Obviously, the Demons are very strong midfield, so some of his scores might be low, and that was one last week. So he's at 92%. Jason Horn-Francis, still on the field, 92%, which is high, especially when you're factoring in the ward score there. Last week was pretty strong, but they scored around about the same. Then we go to Andrew Brayshaw. What a score last week, 181 points. And obviously, when we're talking about the top 25 early in the year, the highest scoring players are pretty much filtering into this ownership. So 181 points, and he's at 92% um, ownership. So pretty much those who've got Andrew Brayshaw are just smashing it early in the year, which is great. Patrick Cripps, strong start again, 76%. Jack McRae, 64%. Matt Crouch, 48%. Josh Ward, 40%. And Josh Kelly popping in there at 20%. Thoughts on any one of those? Yep. No, no surprises there at all. They're all um, been great performers to start the year. And, um, yeah, with structure and everything else, it all, all makes sense there, doesn't it? Okay, onto the forward line. There we go. Zach Butters, 100%. Josh Dunkley, 100%. Will Brody, 100%. Josh Rochelle, so he's 80, 80% there. Stephen Canilio, 68%. Tristan Cherry, 64%. Isaac Heaney, 56%. Thoughts on any one of those? Yeah, the Heaney one's a bit of a surprise, huh? Um, surprise, sorry. So, yeah, a bit lower than I would have thought. Okay, who are your top three targets for round three, assuming you don't own any? So I've, I've done a bit of a mix for this. I've gone a primo mid-price and a rook, and um, my primo target this week is um, Petrarca. Just loving everything he's doing. It looks like he's moving super well, and Melbourne are definitely on a mission. So he'd be the primo I'd be targeting. Um, my mid-pricer is a bit of a point of difference. Um, and it's actually Darcy Tucker from Fremantle, because Frio have issues in their inside mid, and I think Tuck, Tucker's going to go in there. And um, and play a role and big role at that. So he'd be a, a point of difference to those who don't mind a gamble. And then the rookie price player that I'll be looking at is actually Ralph Smith. Really liked what he did mm. in in terms of his role and, and what he provided for Richmond in the way they play. And I think Hardwick would love the way he played too. That gut running from half back constantly. So. I think he's got a big role to play for the Tigers from here on in. Um, and, yeah, expecting good things. Yeah, interestingly on Ralph Smith is that um, he was outstanding, I thought. I thought he was really good. Uh, the Tigers do have some players returning. So where does he fit in that balance with regards to his uh, best 22? So for my my top three, uh, a little bit different from my scenario because I, ha- I do have Zach Merritt. So he's out for six, eight weeks, uh, surgery required on his ankle. So my three are a little bit different here. Uh, so it's, uh, it's moving off merit and it's and it's now um, spending down on the mid. Uh, so pretty much those that come into mind on the midfield, uh, Cripps and Green for me. Um, and interestingly on Jacob Hopper, you know, the, they, the Giants said last week he was managed, but now since a few days have passed, now the information has come out that he's got actually got a knee concern. So he had post-surgery last season, post-season surgery last season, and that's now bothering him again. So he's going to under, undergo a further consultation. And so we'll, we'll see how that plays out now. If that's an extended period on the sidelines from Jacob Hopper's point of view, 
I mean, that really puts Tom Green in the scenario. And obviously his scores in the first couple of weeks have been pretty solid. So, you know, if he's going to take that Jacob Hoppert role, you know, that's a, that's a big plus for me. So hopefully that news flushes out the next couple of weeks to finalise the Jacob Hopper story. So, but yeah, paying down off merit for me is the Crips and Green in that scenario. Um, I would love to go Green because obviously point of difference in Crips is wholly owned in that midfield. And the other one there for me is that I don't have at the moment, and a lot of people did start with in their squad, is Braden Pruce. So last week uh, against the Tigers, uh, Flynn was actually just pushed around. Now, the other thing playing in here in the hands of the Giants is that forward, they were really inefficient. Their inside 50s for the Giants were actually really strong. But, you know, their marks inside 50s are okay, but, you know, they just struggled to hit the scoreboard. So we know Braden Pruce brings strong contests to the ball. Um, and I don't think... Uh, he can run out number one by himself solo. So we did speak pre-podcast, and we both agreed that it would be a shared role between Flynn and Pruce. Now, throughout the preseason, we just couldn't get that information out with, uh, with regards to the Giants' uh, ruck situation, and it's just going to be a fluid situation. I just did a cover all. It's going to be fluid. Now, for me, um, I think he does come into that team now, but, yeah, it could be a split role. Um, it does give another tall option uh, in that forward line for Leon Cameron. So therefore then, you know, you're going to get a key defender up against a Proust or a Flynn forward, and then that allows um, Jesse Hogan to sort of be that loose. So I think that really may be where Leon Cameron might be thinking. So for me, I don't think it's Braden Proust solo. Uh, for those that ha- have him at the moment, I-, I would imagine that's what they want, but I don't think you're going to get that just yet. Um, if he was solo and Leon Cameron come out this week and says right we're playing Braden Proust six weeks solid number one solo um, and I'm just I'm trading him in instantly because he would um, obviously make a stack of cash there as well and he's scoring output obviously as we all know is quite strong so yeah Proust is one there of interest for me your thoughts on all that Jeff? Yeah I um, agree with the Proust thing just on the hopper issue if that is the case and he is out for an extended period not only is Green a target but Tanner Bruin Really liked what he did in the second half for the Giants, um, and obviously his score was quite good. And I think he's around 314 grand in the forward line, so could be a really handy target if um, if Hopper's out for a bit. Yeah. So the interesting there with one with Bruin is that you're going to have Toby Green come there back into that team at some stage as well. So Daniel's a little bit longer off, but Green will be coming in. So um, Bruin uh, wasn't there early. So, you know, just where does he sit in um, Leon Cameron's thinking? But the one, play, the one player that would not we don't actually have listed for discussion here is, is um, Finn Callahan. So as yeah. soon as he is named, man, he is the one. I, I, actually, I reckon he's almost the best player in the draft. So he, Did you see his uh, VS, VFL yeah, stats, Pete? Yeah, just staggering. So... Um, obviously, the lower level is going to rack him up quite easily, especially when he's um, you know, number one in that lower level type competition. But, you know, obviously, we've got to factor in uh, he wouldn't be high midfield usage, but I think it will be enough, and he would just he would just score quite easily, if, even if it's you know, 30 40% uh, centre bounce attendances there. So Finn Callahan's one on the radar there as well. But, yeah, if uh, Hopper is out, uh, Green is a big target for me. Hopefully, I can get that news out of the Giants next couple of days because that really does impact me who I'm going off merit and who I'm going down to so uh, I'll use that cash who I go uh, down off merit to and I'll just show up my defense a little bit there alrighty so onto the notable 
low break even. So I've got a few players here. I'm just going to run through all of them, and then I'll come back to you, Jep, and you can hit on a couple of those players. So we've got Nick Martin, minus 44. He's available to return this week out of health and safety protocols. Jack Hayes, solid again last week, I thought. Now, the interesting one with Hayes is that Ryder is potentially going to come back into that team. Now, um, you know, where's that going to sit with regards to selection? I thought I thought Hayes is really good, and his opening two weeks... Uh, we're really positive. So, uh, like, I'd be really surprised if Ratton turned around and said, nah, no good. But I think Ryder's, you know, he wants Ryder back in that team. So let, let's see how that all flies out. And the Saints were really good on the weekend. So it was really good to see. And Saints were really good with Hayes in that team. I think it offers a different dynamic for the Saints with Hayes and Marshall there. I like it for St Kilda. And, you know, just where Ratton changes his mind and, and heads back down the riders' uh, path. We'll see how that plays out. Tristan Cherry. So obviously Callum Coleman-Jones, as we thought last week on the pod, was out of that team. And so they go to two tools, and, and Cherry's the number one. So for those who have Cherry in their team, what a fantastic situation now. So from Callum Coleman-Jones, you know, he'll be in and out of that team. So it's just that, you know, David Noble was on an... Um, um, a radio there somewhere, I think it was Monday morning on SEN, and he's pretty much still saying it's, you know, they're all fighting for, there's, there's three people and they're fighting for two two spots, but at the moment it's Cherry and it's Cherry at number one, and he's pretty much just overshadowing Goldstein, but i just got to imagine at some stage Goldstein's going to find his way out, and I think Noble will want to see a bit of Cherry and Coleman Jones for the future, so we'll see how that plays out, but right now I can't see Cherry coming out of that team. So for those who have him, great, great start for the year. Alrighty, so Nick Dacos, obviously his score is just unbelievable. So he's at minus four. Uh, Josh Rochelle there uh, coming in for the Crows. So a little bit quieter last week, but he was still okay against the Pies. You know, and he got some midfield usage late in that game, which is really good as well. Really, Rioli is quite solid. It's a one break even. Patrick Nash. So we need to get your thoughts on Patrick Nash there, Jeff, as well, when I hand back to you here in a second. It's break even at two. Josh Ward, obviously... Um, against Port Adelaide on uh, Saturday night. The Hawks are actually really good now. Ward did get to see some centre bounce action again, and a couple of those centre bounce clearers were actually really good, and you can just see, you know, they got Hawthorne have got 12 to 13 years with this guy, so if he can stay relatively healthy, you know, he's just going to be an elite scorer there as well for us as well. So he's at break even at three, and I would actually look to start him on the ground. You know, obviously looping in scores this year is going to be uh, a highly use, usable asset, but Ward is one, and I'd be probably almost starting over um, Jason and Francis if the Kangaroos do have a healthy midfield situation so here's one I'd be starting in there you know the scores could fluctuate obviously we've got a low score in round one but you know obviously what we've seen on the weekend is, is his scoring output so Connor McDonald there as well uh, pretty decent uh, start to his career Will Brody so his his scores on the weekend were quite solid now Fife out of that team and money's out again so I've got to imagine that Brody's going to be in there and he's you know, obviously we've spoken previously before this podcast and you said with regards to his turnovers, yeah, it's an issue, but he's not in there to kick the ball around the field. He's in there, he's in there to extract the ball out of stoppages. So I think he's yeah. wholly usable. Now, the interesting comments after the Fremantle game from Justin Longmuir that he did say that the stoppages and the clearances weren't good. So, you know, where does he play in? And I thought Brody was good in there again and he's... His um, pre-season in round one has actually been really good, so I think he's got a pretty good base to work from to hold his position in the team. But, yeah, definitely a watch this space. Uh, but, yeah, he was good. His scoring output was good. So he's got a break-even 
break-even of five. So Jason Horn Francis, obviously we had Luke Davis Uniaki coming out coming out of that team with regards to concussion. He will miss this week. And Taron Thomas is out for an extended period of time. So it's about eight weeks out. So you've got to imagine at some stage that Jason Horn Francis is going to increase that midfield usage there as well. And again, looping those scores onto the field. So plan out your week as we see it, and, and pretty much a midfielder emergency is going to be needed to loop either in Josh Ward in or Josh Francis, depending on who's plays first. So, uh, Because I, I presume everyone's going to be starting Dacos there straight up. So uh, Jason Horn Francis, five, and I think we're going to see a little bit more midfield usage there as well. And Paddy McCartan's obviously straight in the defence for the Swans, and he's been outstanding. He's got a break-even of eight, so 325k. So for those that don't have McCartan there as well, if you really want to pay down off um, some mid-price so that's not uh, scoring... At this stage, at McCartan is still an option. You're probably looking about 50s, 60s, and maybe the odd 70 there for scores. So just so you've got some idea about scoring out. Put your thoughts on any one of those, Jeb. Go for your life. Oh, just, yeah, with Hayes, I think he's a centre forward now. I think they'll play him at centre forward because he competes so well and he can repeat efforts and, and contest. So um, I think Mason Wood goes out the team, and I feel like Membry will play up the ground a little bit more with King and, and Marshall. Um, you know, deeper forward. So that's how I believe we'll play out. Let's see what Rats does. But, yeah, he's hoping that Hayes holds his spot. I think <clears throat> Cherry, although he was good, I still, you know, there's a lot lot still developing and working on. Um, and he's obviously out of contract. So, but they they want to keep him in there. There's a bit of um, politics at play here because they're trying to get the games into Cherry to keep him happy so he re-signs and all the rest of it. That's what I'm reading into. Um, so I think he keeps playing as the number one ruck, and, and Coleman Jones, although he's great in the VFL, will just need to bide his time, and I don't think the Kangaroos will lose sleep over that. Um, with Naish, yeah, Naish, look, still not obviously with structure, and it was quite interesting how Simo approached the North Melbourne game, they just went one-on-one, the old-fashioned one-on-one footy. And it was actually really cool to watch and at the start. Um, and credit to them, I thought McGovern flourished with um, one-on-one footy. He could peel off and intercept and probably played his best game for a while. And But, yeah, with Nation, <clears throat> I just wouldn't target him at the moment. I, I would, I would, there are much better options around the place. I think when push comes to shove and, and the players are back, Nation because he's not part of the original nucleus, he, he won't be part of the team. So he's probably got one or two more weeks in him, I'd say. Um, and, yeah, really impressed with Josh Ward. I think he took a huge step against Port Adelaide, especially at the centre bounces. Did not look out of place. In fact, really looked at home and um, and did great things. So big tick in my book in watching that. I, I, was, I was really pleased. All right, so uh, players potentially dropping in salary on the radar to target soon. So we're going to look at uh, players that are 130-plus break-even. So I'm just going to run through a list here, Jeff, and I'll head back to you for some comments. So Jack Steele, scores just aren't quite there just yet. So break-even of 145, but as I said last week, he can hit that pretty easily. So uh, we'll see how that goes uh, with him. So Max Gorn there as well, 143. Uh, Taylor Adams there, 143. Tom Mitchell, 142. Cam Guthrie there, 137. Brody Grundy, 133. Sean Darcy, 133. Uh, interesting to see if he keeps playing forward or is that number one ruck. You know, there's a, a Darcy come into that uh, DPP discussion there. I would think at some stage if that is the role for the short term, uh, but he does have an ankle injury at this stage. Uh, Jack McRae there, 132, but he can hit that. And Sam Walsh just re-entering that team last week after ankle surgery, so at 131, so might get a bit of a drop 
off uh, Sam Walsh's current salary there. So thoughts on any one of those, Jeff? Yeah, Steele and McRae are, are really the targets there. It, obviously Grundy and Gorn, but um, you know, the majority have them. But yeah, Steele and, and McRae are, are the two that really we can't argue won't be top eight mids by season's end. Okay, strong scoring airport. So these we're going to have a bit of a discussion about um, players averaging 115 plus. Obviously, just two games in there at this stage. So uh, Andrew Brayshaw. So you know his break even of 53. So 181 last week and just monster score. So 781k. So Christian Petrarca, solid average to start the year, 983k. Lockie Neal 854. We thought he was going to have a pretty good start to the year, and he's had exactly that. Uh, ben Key, so no no ownership that much uh, in that uh, top 25, no, nothing at all, I, I believe. So 949k, Tuke Miller is it still at the same price he started with. So uh, we did speak about in the uh, before round one with regards to if you want a bit of leverage off Jack Steele was to go to Tuke Miller, and that's the way it's playing out early in the year. So we'll see where their averages lie at the end of the year to see if there's a big difference. So there was a lot of ownership into Steele, but there was not much into Miller. So at, the, at this stage, Miller's in front, but we'll see how the rest of the year plays out. Patrick Cripps, obviously a strong pre-season. And then the one thing that we were harping on, I was harping on as well, is that you know Michael Voss comes into that Carlton team, and he's a midfielder man, and they wanted, he talked all pre-season about stoppages and clearances and setting up proper structures, and it just played into the hands of... You know, the wines are pumping out big, score, big scores last year at Port Adelaide, and that could could have certainly, we could foresee that it was going to be that current midfield was going to be the target this year, and it's exactly the way it's played out with Patrick Cripps, and they look actually pretty awesome, Carlton. They really structured up really, really well. They got the pillars back into the forward line. They're actually still pretty sound in that defence. They're led by Weeder in there as well. So, you know, can't actually looking really good. So, um, you know, does, does Cripps actually get a tag? But I think he's just he's just busting through everything at the moment. So it might not even matter if people start to go through him. And, and not many teams run with a hard tag these days. It's pretty much trying to block out uh, players at stoppages, and, and that's pretty much where it stops and starts. And maybe just, you know, send out a player when they're going out to a... Um, uh, try and get the ball loose. But, you know, his bread and butter is inside stoppages, and at this stage, the way he's going, no one is stopping him. I just like no one. Uh, and then Tom Green, we spoke about him earlier. Obviously, the hopper situation is really important here. So he's at 694k. So he's really in that situation if you need to pay down. And I'm in this boat, you know, off merit and down to um, Tom Green, 694k. And break even to 45. So there's a little bit of coin to be made there on Tom Green. Zach Butters, what a start to the season for him. So he's at 704k. So his midfield usage, uh, we flushed out. Uh, obviously throughout the preseason that the, he's the one to go into that midfield and you know he's a contested ball in there he's not, he's not that big a body but he's just you know in a, this is a good term he's actually pretty much a psychopath when he goes in there man he's just straight head first and let's get in there so I mean that in a good way that he you know he will just jump at that ball and, and try and rip it out the way I probably should put it a lot better he's got no fear so um, his scores have been really solid to start of the year. And based on where his price was, it's fantastic start. So he's got break even of 41 there as well. And Tim Taranto, what a unique. So, um, you know, he's into that midfield last week, and it's not really Tim Taranto sitting forward all the time, although the, he has spent parts in that forward line. 
um, you know, and other players have gone to that forward line that, you know, we may not have expected. But Tim Taranto, a bit of a unique option there as well. So, you know, if he can, uh, screens up some cash, but he's at 924k, so that's a high spend up here to get Taranto. And, it, you know, if we don't have him at the moment, it's going to be quite a few weeks before we have the cash to actually spend up to the to a player like that, especially that salary range. So, Jeb, your thoughts on any one of those? Well, just with Brayshaw, I can put my house on that. Adam Simpson will give him a tag this week, so just be prepared for that, for those tra- trading him in. I, I can really, really certain that happening, especially when Declan Mountford did a run with job on um, on Simpkin last week and mm. Nelson was the late out, probably would have done that role before he was the late out. So keep that in mind. Um, yeah, love Cripps watching him play, for one, and um, you're right, I don't think anyone can stop him, but... No. Can they nullify what he can do for the centre? I think that's more important. You probably can't stop him putting his head over the ball and feeding out the handballs, but I think you can nullify his effect forward of centre. Um, and, he, you know, he's kicked two goals a game. If not, I think he kicked three the first round. So it's that's really adding to his score. Um, yeah, Tim Taranto... I don't think we, no one really could have done it with with his starting price, but yeah, like you said, he's really good and unique, and and a lot of these players, I'm sure, would have been in our preseason thoughts, and um, most of us are good owners. So the thing with Cripps, right? Back to back to that situation is that you know we've got Kerno and McKay in that team. Is that if Cripps decides to plonk himself, you know, to jump out of the midfield for, you know, three or four minutes to give himself a spell, you know, he's, he's another tall in that uh, forward line. Uh, no one's going to him because they're all going to um, Kuno and Mackay. So, you know, if he can, obviously he's done that so far in the preseason a little bit, but, you know, if he can add an extra 10 to 15 points a game there, just, just going up forward and taking him out, kicking a goal, that's actually a bit of a bonus. But, yeah, in the midfield at clearances, He's just at the moment he's just just unstoppable. So um, and another player there unstoppable at the moment is Christian Petrarca as well. So just hit on him for his start to the season has been unbelievable. Alrighty, uh, final part of the podcast. So it's going to take a little bit of time here. So uh, we're going to do a few listener requests. So thank you for sending those in. It's time to play like or dislike. So at this stage we're going to do a thirty pack to finish off the podcast. So let's go through these, Jep. So uh, there's a bit of a list here. So it's pretty much let's try and keep it to like or dislike. So Jake Bowie. So I, I, I actually need to preface this by saying, you know, uh, Goodwin spoke about that he did get reward last week. But, you know, in the end, he's a lockdown small defender. So Christian Salem out of that team, it might be actually a good situation for, for uh, Jake Bowie. So like or dislike, Jep. Uh, no dislike, and um, I like your article on aflratings.com.au with the coaches' quotes because mm. you stated there in that article that, and from Simon Goodwin's interview, that um, he played the same role that he did last week. And last week he scores 38, and this week he scores you know 120 plus. So what are we going to get from him? That's a high risk to me. Um, high risk, high reward, obviously, but um, I think he would be frustrating for owners. Josh Kelly, like or dislike? No, like, I still like him a lot, even though he's playing more wing than we probably would have liked or hoped. Um, he's still got a lot to add to the Giants midfield. Yeah, I still like him. Okay, Luke Foley, like or dislike? Um, no, like him. He's still he's still coming good, and, and the Eagles, where they're at, he's still got, you know, really, owners need two more good weeks out of him, and that and his job's done, so like. Yeah, I still like him. 
Sandskin, as I did look a little bit off and off pace on that game on Saturday Saturday night against the Hawks. But um, the one thing that we need to um, keep in mind is that Alir Alir is still out of that team. So I still think his position in the team is solid, but he didn't really play that uh, intercept marking type role. So hopefully there's a change there this week. But yeah, uh, it wasn't really a good start for those that traded in Skinner. I actually, I was one of those. So just for job security for a few weeks. But you know, the scores might not be there if he's going to play that uh, key forward lockdown uh, top defender. So like or dislike for me, it's actually now pretty much a dislike. And fingers crossed that hopefully they can turn. Yeah, dislike for me too. Didn't like the way he approached the footy when he was in dispute. Um, yeah, so that's a concern. Okay, Isaac Kenny, obviously great start of the season. Pretty much a like for me. Yeah, like as well, nothing more, you know, he's going to keep kicking goals. He, he didn't have as many CBAs on the weekend, though, but he's still a big like. Okay, Lockie Whitfield, again, mentioned in the podcast earlier, Damien Harwick has said that he targeted Whitfield last week for his runoff halfback. Obviously, that's a situation that's going to be the case throughout the year, but I still think his ceiling gains are going to balance out his average throughout the year, so we'll see how that goes. For me, it's still, still a pretty much a like there. Yeah, like for me as well. Uh, Matt Rail, I still like, obviously, high centre bounces there. And the thing that we spoke about pre-podcast, Jeff, is that, you know, up against a dominant midfield in Melbourne. So, you know, mids are going to struggle against Melbourne. That's pretty much the way it's going to sound. So um, it was up against Melbourne last week. Scores just weren't there. And he had a monster round one. So for me, it's still a like. Uh, yeah, it's still a like for me as well. Uh, Jordan Ridley, so scores up and downs for key intercept marking types have been a bit rough to start off the year. Oh, I'd still don't mind Ridley long term though. No, I dislike. I don't see him as a top six, top eight defender. Uh, we're getting lots of choices, and then DPPs are coming, so dislike. Okay, Bradfield. It's a dislike for me. His runoff halfback has been good, but have, we have seen in the past him get shut down, so dislike for me. Yeah, dislike for me too. Uh, you mentioned how Hugo Ralph Smith early in the pod, so for me, I like. Yeah, I like it a lot. I, I really feel like the way Richmond play, he just adds so much value running on half off half back, and um, yeah, I like it a lot. I'm going to target him this week. Adam Trelaw, I still like it. You know, he's a big like. He's a he's a primo um, forward, so yeah, he should be a target for all of us. We're having a discussion on this one. It's Dry Caldwell. We we spoke for 20 minutes pre-podcast and 19 minutes was probably taken up by the Dry Caldwell discussion. So for me, it's I'm a, I'm a big dislike here. So I'm a like, and um, yeah, I, I just felt like watching Essendon. They when he was at the CBAs or at the stoppages, they were better. And now maybe that's a bias for you, but I, well, yeah, I've, I haven't watched the game again yet, but I will. But no, I'm still a big like, and obviously. Having merit out helps, but Stringer getting more fitness and then Shield coming back, that could alleviate that, that benefit. But um, no, Caldwell's still alike for me. He's still turned up in round one, still really had a fa- always had a fantasy game about him, um, and, yeah, I still like him. Yeah, for me, I'd be looking at McGrath going into that middle as well. So uh, I still think uh, Caldwell sits around that four slash five at centre bounces. Uh, but yeah, he can still score okay. At the moment, it's still a good pick. But yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm just a dislike. And that's the next one for us is Andrew McGrath. I actually quite like it. Um, again, merit injury, so I don't mind the pick. A uh, bit of unique, but you know, it's probably only a seven to eight week burst with merit on the sidelines. Yeah, it might actually sting us a bit with um, him not getting DBP defender status. So that that could be a real burner and unfortunate one there. Um, for that reason, I'll say dislike. 
Jordan Dawson, now majority would have started with Dawson if he didn't have that uh, late pre-season injury. So, but uh, scores have been there initially, so a little bit of half-back action there as well. He's going to flux into that midfield um, throughout the year, so I still think either role is good for his scoring output. I actually do like this pick. Uh, yeah, it's a dislike for me for now, but that could change. I just want to... He, he looks like he's still learning system and, and gaining confidence within that team. Okay, Hayden Young, for me, I'm just actually going to say dislike here. No, dislike, only because he's a player that doesn't hit all stat lines. So I love picking players that tackle, mark, kick, handball, kick goals. Obviously, with defenders, a little bit different. The one thing that Hayden Young doesn't do is tackle very well. So dislike for me. Yeah, Braden Pruce spoke about him earlier. I like. Yeah, like it as well. Tim English, now I'm really liking this Pete because if Stefan Martin's out of that team for quite a long time, it's Tim, It's the Tim English show and we know he can score. Big like here for me. Yeah, well, Stefan played um, on the in the VFL on the weekend, so very interesting. And um, yeah, I'll get side topic just quickly. Liberatore, really low centre bounces for the dogs as well. So Beveridge does all sorts of strange things. Um, I just don't know week to week where English and Martin will sit, so I'm going to say dislike. Okay, Patrick Dangerfield, uh, for me, you know, it's a long season. And the, the one thing that I have said on the podcast with regards to Geelong is this. Now, it's really important because if we're going to start targeting Geelong players throughout the year, um, this is going to play into your uh, thinking process. And for me, I'm just almost a solid out on most players. Maybe Stuart would be one of those players I would have in there. And obviously, if Cooper Stevens ever gets a show, that he would be a target there as well. But Chris Scott has said, now this is consistently over the last couple of weeks, I've uh, just been monitoring this news. And does he say it once? Does he say it twice? And he's, and he's said it a few times now is that they're playing the squad mentality for the season. They're not actually going to go through this year and just rolling at the same 22. So obviously we uh, the Cats played one week and Higgins was out of that team. Now, in his post-game presser on the Friday night after the Buddy show, it was pretty much Chris Scott reiterating that, you know, and he referenced that, you know, Hopper was managing his own 22 years of age or whatever, how old Hopper is, but he tried to back up his thought process is that other players are, are doing it, other clubs are doing it as well. And... Over the last two or three weeks, as Scott and and other people out of Geelong coaching staff and management, is that they're taking the squad mentality this year. Now, with regards to Cooper Stevens, he I mean, it could be one week in, one week out, which would be disappointing because I reckon he's actually got it. So, as in a good um, midfield craft. So, for any players like Cam Guthrie, Duncan, if he starts scoring well there. Uh, Selwood's obviously an option to get rest, but I reckon at some stage throughout the year we're going to see Geelong the changes. It could be Dangerfield out for a week, could be um, it could be uh, Selwood as probably one of those will be out for a week. So the the thinking, the thought process behind Chris Scott is that you know it's the home and away season, is the home and away season. I think they'll challenge for top four again. I think they'll be pretty solid. Is it? But their targets are premiership. So the one way to get that team in a pretty good neat towards the end of the season and not conking out of gas at the end of the season is to manage players to once they hit finals that they're at full fitness so for me Geelong players probably much Stewart's okay I don't think he would be in that line for a rest 
uh, because you need that defence to stay strong. And not only that, defenders pretty much stay on ground for most of the game anyway. So I would think he wouldn't want to compromise the defence, but I would, I would imagine those midfielders, maybe even those half-forwards, I wouldn't think Hawkins and Cameron are coming out of that team if they're fully healthy as well. So if those midfielders, there could be a bit of a rotation thing happening here. So for all those midfielders, no go, and danger fielders in that zone. So massive, massive dislike here for me. Yeah, yeah, it's, I'm staying well away from danger. Um, more the age factor and um, and yeah, Geelong playing slightly different. So yeah, dislike. It's real. I'm really narrowing my focus who I can trade in this year because you know I'm out on Western Australian players and you know I'm out on Geelong. Players, <laughs> yeah. you know, so man, I could in a couple of weeks I could be having just one club I'm just targeting. But anyway, we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, big watch on Chris Scott because they're going to rotate that midfield and unfortunately. As much as I hate to say it, is that Cooper Stevens could be in for one and out for one. So hopefully yeah. it doesn't happen. But you know, you know, for him to get solid game time in that team, and maybe injuries might might have to hit Geelong, which obviously we don't hope for. Already, and there's a high wank and Malira. So I thought he was quite solid. And uh, Rats, Brett Ratton spoke highly positively over the preseason with regards to uh, wank and Malira. But the thing that was against him getting that round one team was that he had an interrupted preseason. Um, and he was a slow starter, so he's a, had a very much of a delayed preseason. Um, I still like the pick, so I'm, I'm going to say like, but you just got to keep in mind that. So where is he sitting at best 22? Do they manage him throughout the year because he's had to interrupt the preseason, and it's his first year. So for me, I'm just, well, I actually like it, but just warning signs there, Jeff. I like it because he scored 25-plus in the last quarter. So um, that, that's a positive, and maybe when he builds a bit of fitness, that he, he can score better. So, yeah, big like. Aaron Hall, massive point of difference here, and we know he's high ceiling. Now, Kangaroo's going to struggle again this year, which is pretty obvious at this stage, and we know that he has a massive ceiling. So um, I know I spoke pre-season that, you know, just looked off me with regards to Hall and, you know, this go to come into that team and Bergman come into that team at back end of the year. I still think that's a possibility because, you know, obviously they've got to transition to the future at some stage for North Melbourne. Oh, but at this stage, I would say, for at least for the short to medium term, for me, for Hall, it's a big play. So if you can get onto Hall, and that's the one thing I've looked at Merritt with regards to I have to trade down. You know, do I bring in a high ceiling player in defence? But, you know, I'm still not going to do it, but it's still a big tick here for me. Um, but, yeah, just just long term, maybe Bergman and Goethe do come in. That does impact him a little bit. Uh, but for the short to medium term, I'll, I'll love the pick. I'm going to say big like here. Yeah, like as well for me, buddy. Okay, Jack Sinclair, I don't mind. A midfield usage is there at the moment. I'm going to say like. Um, yeah, I like it as well. He's um, He's gone on the CBAs. They, St Kilda need some um, stronger bodies around the ball, and he's done really well. He was really good against Freo. Big like. Okay, Carl Amont. So, wholly unique. Not many players, not many coaches would target him. He can score. Uh, so, a bit of a unique. I'm going to say from that point of view, I do like. No, I like him as well. Um, I, I feel like in the last 18 months he's proved that he can play both inside and outside. So, big like. Uh, Luke Jackson. So, the thing that came out of uh, that Melbourne game and from Simon Goodwin on the weekend is that, um, I think it was in his post-game, his uh, pre-round three presser today, is that, you know, it was similar to the grand final, is that Gorn came to Goody and, and the coaching staff last week and he pretty much said it's it's Jackson's turn this week. So, we're not going to know when it's, you know, Jack more Jackson in that ruck than Gorn. So, which it does impact Gorn long term as well. 
because they're gonna they're gonna flick in flick out who's number one and and we know Gorn can play anywhere on the ground but to be in that number one and to hit those high, high ceiling games it could impact Gorn uh, but from as far as Jackson is concerned his scores are still going to fluctuate I don't mind it but I'm going to say dislike uh, no I dislike it as well I think um, yeah it's it's just too too fluid isn't it it's just going to vary and, and they had a pretty soft game against the Suns let's be honest on to Pat Lipinski. So, um, drop in centre bounces last week, and you know his score's going to fluctuate a little bit. I still like the pick, though. Uh, your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, no, love him. Um, proud owner, even though he he did poorly on the weekend, um, he's still got that fantasy game, so he still can score. So yeah, big luck. Riley O'Brien, the scores just aren't there at the start of the season. I still don't mind the peak, so for me it's still a lie, and hopefully the scores return. But, you know, most of the most of these rucks are struggling to score. Strong dislike, buddy. No way. Okay, Caleb's wrong. He did speak in the preseason that he just wanted to go ball hunting this year, and he did want to be tagging. So, you know, if he's going to be set for some lockdown roles, especially with uh, no Fife, no Monday, and you know, Longmuir's got to look at those stoppages and what, what his structure is, and he, he, does he need to start to block off players? And therefore, Sarong's in that target to go hunting other players, not the ball. Uh, for me, for that point of view, uh, it's actually a dislike. Yeah, dislike as well, but I reckon he'll turn up against West Coast. He, he loves playing West Coast in the bigger games. Ryan Marshall, um, you know, that rider coming into that team, what does that do to his scores? Uh, does he play more forward? But, man, if it could stay like this with regards to Marshall and Hayes, it's a massive like. But, you know, if riders coming into that team, what's it going to do to the scores? The scoring output might drop off a little bit. But I'm still going to say I like it because he, he's just a piece of a ruck. Uh, yeah, I would like it too if he was if Ryder wasn't coming back, but we both know he is, so dislike. And Dan Houston, so monster round one, dropped off a little bit last week. I don't mind the peak, but you know his score's going to fluctuate through the year, so I'm just going to sit on the side of disliking him. Yeah, no, it's a dislike for me. Not not a, not a fan. Um, he probably scarred me last year, didn't he? Like most of us. Okay, Jade Gresham, just to finish off here, Jeff. So we're looking a little bit of midfield usage, but he is a forward mid playing a little bit more midfield due to injuries and, and availability issues at St Kilda. I don't mind the peak, but long-term, I don't think it's there, so dislike for me. Yeah, no, dislike as well. Another one that probably doesn't rack up as many tackles as he needs to to, to propel his scores up. Okay, final thoughts ahead of round three, Jeff. Oh, look, we say week to week, I sound like a broken record sometimes. Have a backup plan for your trades. Um, rolling lockout, you know, COVID situation, the laid outs, it, it still plays a part. So be careful. Plan ahead, obviously, and um, but always have that backup plan. Yeah, okay. For me, it's monitor news, plan trades ahead. Have backup plans, as you said. Uh, monitor for late news as well. And so, where does it, you know, if late news does hit, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, and if you've got trades up your sleeves, that you can actually just um, uh, filter that back into your team with regards to no impact. But if you're out of trades early in the, in the weekend, there's a, you're, it could be in a bit of pain there. So, again, obviously, the obvious one is target low break evens um, and have deep bench cover. I think that's highly critical this year, Jep. All right, Jep, uh, thanks for tuning in and good luck for everyone for round three. Thanks, guys.